Hey guys, happy Saturday. Today is September the 9th of 2023. As we approach fall and it's getting chilly outside, I'm back indoors, you know, after the summer, ready to kick off the podcast once again. I know it's been a long time coming and I have an incomplete series of how to improve and change Toronto for the better. So today we're here and I'm going to be going to be going over the remaining points and also of course covering the points that I previously mentioned on the podcast. So welcome back to the Keeping It Real podcast with your host Sam aka Samarth Kochar. Actually it's Samarth Kochar aka Sam. So let's do this guys. Uh, Toronto honestly is a great city. It can be a world-class city. There's a lot of people moving here. It has insanely good diversity in people, cultures, food, entertainment, and just recreation, and so much stuff happening. Yes, it is not in New York, but it's nothing short of New York, okay? Toronto is better, safer, relatively cleaner. The subway is more modern. People are nicer. Overall, I'd say Toronto is a better city than New York. And if New York is what we're going to compare, you know, I'd say if New York is what we're going to look at as the best North American city, even then, I would say Toronto comes up above that. So, why is Toronto, you know, on the decline? I'd say Toronto is not on, on the decline, but Toronto is has an opportunity right now to really shape itself to become a world-class city. As I mentioned in the past, I'm highly optimistic about the future of the city. And especially because of the immigrants coming in, I think it is going to become a city that is booming with economic activity, um, amazing residential communities, uh, great parks, and and just a very strong, vibrant, multicultural community because ultimately that is what community is, okay? We all might think, you know, let's move out to the suburbs, let's live in a house, a big house, this, that, but ultimately we have to come back to the basics and understand that cities are what shape countries. And this is the most important premise that I want to cover is we have to understand that a city is truly the beating heart of an entire nation. Now, granted, the U.S., when you are overseas, when you're in, you know, Asia or or, or you're in the Middle East or or you're in Europe, when people think of the U.S., they think of, you know, maybe three main cities. What are those? New York, L.A., and San Francisco, okay? What else? Maybe Florida, maybe maybe one other city. That's about it, okay? But the truth is America is a huge country. There's a lot of areas to go to and be live and live in within the U.S. Now, not everyone will go to New York. Not everyone will go to San Francisco. Not everyone will go to Florida. Not everyone will go to L.A. But they, but those cities shape the perception that people have of the country. The same thing goes over here in Canada. All right, we have maybe three or four major cities in the entire country. The first one being Vancouver. The second one being Calgary. The second one being um, uh, well, the third one being Toronto, the fourth one be, being Montreal. These four are the only cities that people across the world know of. And does that have to do anything with having the major airports be there? Perhaps. But also perhaps over, over the years and over the generations, people have come here, they've, they've done commerce here, they've stayed here, and they've learned a lot, and they've gone up, they've caught up and eventually moved overseas and they've had to share the experience of living over here. Living here does change you. It gives you a different perspective on life. And these cities are 
so thriving with economic activity even now when you compare it to the suburbs that I feel like we need to acknowledge that and we need to appreciate that. That said, we also have to acknowledge the fact that things are changing, sometimes not for the better, but there are always opportunities that I see that we as a city in Toronto can really help make it a world-class city, the likes of Singapore, uh, the likes of, you know, uh, Kuala Lumpur, the likes of Bangkok, the likes of all these beautiful, you know, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, similar to these countries where I've been. And, you know, especially having traveled there and, and seeing what it takes to build a great city, I can tell you that Toronto is really at the cusp of becoming that great city. So without further ado, I'm going to cover a lot of points here. So I'm going to try and summarize them at, at the very end. But this is a very high level um, idea of, of, of what I think we should be doing here in Ontario, in Toronto, and in Canada to improve Toronto and make it the best city in the whole wide world, okay? The first one, we got to shrink the government, okay? Our government is too big, the taxes are too high, and we need to cut down the, the number of people who are working in the provincial, municipal, and state governments and just keep it very, very lean, very, very efficient so that decisions get taken quickly, it costs the people less, and, and, and ultimately, we as a country can move forward in a much more agile manner. Truth is, right now, things are extremely slow. It takes years to get permits for anything. It is, it is extremely hard to do business because you have to get approvals, regulations, this, that. And it's so tricky that people simply do not want to live here. They don't want to spend the money here. They don't want to invest here. And ultimately, they don't want to be engaging with the city. So point number one, shrink the government by at least 70 to 75% bring down the staff, keep it just to the people who, who, who really need to be there and let everyone else decide what they want to do with their lives and with their properties and with their businesses. So that's point number one. Point number two, and we, okay, this, this might get a little bit, you know, um, what, what, what should I call it? I'd say this might get a little bit um, controversial, but the truth is that our media is, is a, it's a huge business, okay? It's a huge arm of the state, the government. They get a lot of money from the government. And truth be told, we don't need them anymore. It's time to just end the, st the state media machines and just live life, you know, as, as free people. Yes, we can all go online and enjoy, you know, a YouTube video, a podcast, an ebook, what have you. But that's based on choice. Truth be told, we do not need screens. Every single place you go to, at the airports, at the malls, at the shops, just putting out the same state uh, propagated news, like legitimately propaganda to, to program the people in, into thinking a certain way. I'll be honest, I haven't watched, watched TV in maybe five to six years. And like, I am better for it, you know? I think anyone that stops watching TV is better for it because um, despite having a TV at home, whenever I, I overhear my folks watching it, I just hear about these stupid, dumb ads about, you know, news about murders, about uh, uh, road rage, about this, that, about death, about illness, about disease. There's these nonstop marketing commercials for like medicines and alcohol and, and, and um, uh, estate planning and all these like, like very negative um, energies being put out by the media. So at this point, I feel like we need to stop them. We need to fire all, all these people and have them go do something more constructive with their lives because honestly, life is short. We need to start focusing on the positive and to end this 
this, this bullshit propaganda machine is one step closer to getting there. So that was point number two. Point number three, oh, we need to reduce housing prices. Is that expected? Naturally, no, but how do we make that happen, okay? The first thing is we need to start putting the government, well, yes, in a way I'm saying that we need to bring the government in, but the truth is we need to start creating a better financial incentives for people to buy homes locally. Now, the government is not doing much to bring down the pricing, but I also feel like to, to make it more affordable, the government needs to step up and say, hey, we will help you buy a home if you're going to live in the residence, if you're going to do all these things, you know, if you're going to contribute to the economy with a job, with a business, what have you, we are going to help you buy a home here. Now, that is not a very clear idea as to how we can bring down the prices. But I also strongly believe that, you know, over the next year or two years, as we change the currency from a dollar-based system over to a more uh, solid asset-based system, our currencies are naturally going to change. The system is going to change and it is going to morph into something more fruitful and enjoyable by more people in the world. Right now, my general perspective of, of, of the world is that it is a very unf unfair world, not because I've, I've been given, you know, the short end of, of, of the stick, but I truly feel like, you know, we are not being as inclusive as we can be in the whole wide world. We have America, which is, you know, doing relatively better than everyone else. I get that. There's a lot of poverty in the world because of what U.S. has done. There's a lot of crime, um, illness, mental illness, physical illness in the world because of what the U.S. has done. So that is a discussion for another day. But the truth is that we have the resources right now to be able to bring down the costs, okay? We need to start seizing back properties from people who have committed crimes and who have been, you know, traitors to our country or whatever. Take back that property and give it to people that might need it, okay? We have a homeless problem, okay? What I appreciate about Toronto is they're doing a good job at kind of controlling it, yet we still have parks that are filled with homeless people. So we need to start managing these things and start bringing down prices so that people can ultimately afford to buy a house. Now, I being a realtor, I can see the problem, okay? People are worried about going and buying, you know, a, a small condo for a million dollars, okay? That's a lot of money. And I know we are trying to make Toronto a world-class city, and that means, quote-unquote, world-class prices. But that said, I really do believe that we need to start putting in an effort from the government, you know, to, to help make it easier for people to buy a home. And one of the ideas that I had was, what if, you know, we start working with employers and saying, hey, you pay your employees a salary, but give them the option that if every paycheck uh, before the taxes are deducted, if we take, you know, 50% uh, of your taxes and put, put them towards a home, would you be interested in that incentive to help you be able to buy a home, right? That way, the person goes to work, they're happy, they're incentivized to work, they understand that they're getting a deal, they're able to afford a home now, that income pre-tax is, is going towards the mortgage and they're able to pay it off sooner, better, by, by working hard, by doing all these things. On the other hand, what we can also do is, is start incentivizing current homeowners to start redeveloping their properties 
and making them multifamily and multi-use properties. And I'm, I'm not just saying, you know, one, um, one house being converted to a three or four unit property like a fourplex. But what I'm saying is let's start looking at the land that we have and look at how to op optimize its, 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 its use case. What if we can build, you know, 10 apartments on a uh, three-story building, right? We have so much land and, and just yard space available that we truly don't need that, right? If we're going to keep on going around and saying, hey, we have a housing and we have a housing problem, why aren't we fixing it? That's my question. And so I think for that, um, I do need to spend time and really come with some ideas and put them on an entirely different episode because that's a lot we can talk about. Um, next thing, labor costs. Our, our labor costs are ridiculously high, okay? For a simple task like cleaning your home or driving around or making food or cutting your hair, People are earning $15 to $16 per hour, which is insanely high. Now, I'm not saying push people into poverty, but I'm also saying that, you know, as we bring down the cost of living, it also sometimes makes sense to bring down the incomes because when that happens, services become a lot more affordable for people, right? I remember going for haircuts and paying $8, $9. I still remember during COVID time, I had to find a barber that was charging less than 20 bucks. And ultimately I found one because they were charging me $12. Now, truth be told, they've also learned, hey, we're charging way too less. People are coming, they're lining up and they're getting haircuts here. So what they've done now is they've actually increased the prices to $15 an hour. And I mean, $15 a haircut. And I've, now if you logically think about it, someone that was was able to cut five heads, let's say, in, in a span of one hour is now bringing the company roughly $75 per hour, which is an insane markup, while they themselves could be earning 15 to 20 bucks an hour. So as we bring down the cost, I think we need to start looking at labor also and, and really come to understand that if we want to compete with the world at becoming a good, comfortable city to live in, reducing the labor Labor cost is a very important step in that. Next, we need to create jobs. Now, this goes without saying, okay? We have immigrants coming in who are clueless as, as to where their next source of income is going to come from. People do not have jobs here, okay? That's a fact of life, and we need to acknowledge that. Because if we don't, we're never going to solve the issue. So, how do we create jobs? One, we need to start focusing on what is critical to our infrastructure, what is critical to the everyday life over here that we need to do more of in order to bring the cost down and put people in charge and at work in those industries. So and energy is expensive as hell over here, okay? Transport is expensive as hell over here. We need to start putting more people in there so that the supply of labor goes up. Ultimately, that will create jobs. And ultimately, that will bring down the cost of all these basic necessities of life in Canada. Because truth be told, life is hard over here, okay? We have cold, we have traffic, we have cities, we have suburbs, we have uh, food. We have so much to get around that we need people. But ultimately, you can have all, all the people around you, but if they're not working, they're just becoming a burden on the country. So how do we make these people useful? How do we put them to good, you know, constructive use so that they feel like they're adding value to the country, the community, the city, their environment, 
and overall contributing to the well-being of the entire nation. And, you know, I have been there. I've been employed. I've been unemployed. And I've seen what it's like. Being unemployed sucks. What, what sucks even more is feeling helpless that there is no job out there. And that is a feeling that I do not want anyone else to feel. And truth be told, I see it happening. Un- unfortunately, the, the harsh reality of Canada and, and really here, Toronto, is that there are not that many jobs. For the number of people that we have coming in, we do not have that many jobs. And that's why you're seeing these, these young Indian you know, students who are coming from India. They're going and working in, the, in these warehouses for very little pay, but they're doing it just to be able to sustain themselves and get ahead in life. Okay, yes, life is not easy, but this is just absolutely unfair where we're giving people the promise of coming here, building a life, being prosperous and living well, when the truth is that that is simply not true. All right, so I just got a call and I'm back on it. So next thing we need to really do is to encourage small business. Toronto is filled, including the city and the suburbs, it is filled with these massive big box stores that are simply there to create jobs. Yes, but they're also sending a lot of money overseas to supply those stores with clothes, electronics, gadgets, housewares, and all these items that people have to buy. Now, I get it that we need those, but the truth is we also need a lot more small businesses. We need to encourage entrepreneurship because the North American dream has really been based on business. Business is the way to go. Business is how people can do what they love. Business is how they can contribute very, very positively to the economy. And business is ultimately how we can shape the future of of this country. You know, we look at these big box stores as amazing icons, and I get that. But the fact is that they've grown so large so large that it's become impossible for anyone to even think of venturing into the world of business because they understand that they will get crushed by these giant monopolies that's what they are these large monopolies for um, uh, like electronics best buy these large monopolies for clothing uh you know hudson's bay uh macy's in the u.s Bloomingdale's, we have uh, places like, you know, Walmart, which is another huge company that's controlling so many different brands, but ultimately has become the go-to place to buy anything. And as much as I appreciate that, I also feel like we need to stop doing that because really all of our money is going into like these these wasteful products and these wasteful manufacturing, um, uh, you know, methods that walmart uses to buy cheap products from china and sells it to us over here whereas on the other hand when we have more small businesses we will have people that genuinely care okay they people that genuinely care about creating value in the marketplace who will be creating those products for the masses and they might not really end up getting to the masses but they will get to a population big enough where now the ripple effect will start taking place and others will also feel in, incentivized to go and do the exact same thing on their side, in their country, in their neighborhood, in their cities. And that is how we can start and, and really initiate this, this small business revolution where everyone gets a portion of the overall economic pie 
as opposed to everyone being employees and 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 really just leeching off of the economic system, which is what it really is. This is not a, a hateful thing to say, but this is a fact. Employees are leeches on the economy because they're taking income and, and they're u- using the services. Do they pay for the services? Sometimes. But, you know, when you when you want to truly contribute to the economy, you have to be in business. Em- employee, because when you're in business, you are there to create jobs. You're there to pay taxes. You're there to provide housing to, to, to the people. You are there to invest in the country. You are there to do all these things that will truly help you have a much grander impact in the country and the city and the neighborhood where you are. So that said, we need to start incentivizing people to start small businesses. Next, I've written, with a genuine heart, we need to address the mental health pandemic. More than half the people that go to workplaces are depressed. Okay, we, we have a mental health crisis here. We have a crisis here that we're not addressing, which is really sad because everyone has so much potential and we're just wasting it in jobs in commutes, arguing with, with people, fighting with people, trying to oppose them, doing all these things. Like, why? Why? You know, we, we have to start acknowledging that our country has a mental health pandemic because of the winters, because of the traffic, the people, the cost of living. Everything is contributing to the mental health pandemic here in Toronto and in Canada as a whole. Okay? Our weather is good for three to four months, but then the rest of the year, it fucking sucks, okay? That is a fact of life over here. Whether, whether you like it or not, that's a fact of life. The taxes are too freaking high over here to help alleviate anyone's mental health issues, okay? It is only making it worse. The high cost of living is not helping either, okay? We need to start addressing these issues and start fi- fixing them, and that's why I've made this podcast, because I think we, we need to start finding solutions to to these problems at a very fundamental level while understanding why the hell they're happening in the first place. Number four, we have media, okay? We have me- media that is out there propagating garbage on the, on the news, sharing news about death, accidents, this, that, war, crime, medicine, ph- pharmaceuticals, you know, drug recommendations. Uh, it's, it is not helping. It is not helping. Like if we have to... Im- increase the well-being of human humans we need to stop doing that okay this is all just compounded uh compounded factors that are adding to the human mental health pandemic and i'll be very frank with you when i say that toronto has it the worst they do have it the worst and yes it is good or i'd say the situation is better in the city because you have access to you know walkable areas and cafes and food and things to do over there but it's even worse in the suburbs. The suburbs have it the absolute worst. People are depressed, mental health issues, drugs, you know, easy access to drugs, easy access to alcohol. The way that they've gone around and set up, you know, cannabis shops around the, uh, the city is, is very, very sad. You know, the fact that we need to take weed to escape from reality is, is like unheard of, okay? You can legalize everything that you want. And the truth is that over here, people need the escape. We need the mental escape to sort of get away from the reality that we hate so very much. So 
the fact that they're actually building, you know, uh, a local alcohol shop like LCB or, or, or the beer shop, the fact that they're putting these, these weed outlets in every single plaza in Minnesota, Brampton, Toronto, like we're just making it easier for people to propagate this mental health pandemic that we're facing while not addressing why it's really happening in the first place. And I would say the government is responsible because they control the policy. They control like literally everything about the country to the point where people really don't have that much choice. You, you want to buy alcohol, where do you buy it from? You have to go to LCPO or beer store. If you want to get something, you have to go to, you know, um, uh, the drug marts that are available and giving you drugs. There's no asset freedom in the marketplace because you're always at the beck and call of, of the government. And if, and if that's what paying high taxes is for, I'm sorry, I don't want to be the one paying those, those high taxes. And I don't think anyone else should be either. Next, we need to start bringing back conservative family values. Canada has a huge problem with people going liberal and it, it is not about being liberal as such, but it's more so the fact that if, if becoming liberal leads to families deteriorating and, and the values that we are raised by deteriorating, then honestly, that's not contributing to human well-being. And we need to start sharing more about the value of church, of, 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 of going to a temple, a church. Um, a mosque about the value of family, the value of you know being ethical in, in your conduct, the value of 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 being a good citizen, the value of loving and appreciating your country for all is given you. Right now, we're going the exact opposite direction of that. We're being taught to hate our country. We're being taught to you know um, uh, accept, accept, accept everything that the liberal class wants to. Be it garbage about trans people, be it anything about, you know, LGBTQS2IA, whatever that stupid acronym is, okay? Truth is, we don't need that. We simply don't need that. We need to start acknowledging that, okay, life is what life is. Everyone is different. Everyone has their own way of life that, that they want to live by. And in a true, free society, they have the right to live like that. What is an employer's business if a person is LGBTQ or not? What is an employer's business if a person is brown, white, black, yellow, gray, blue, whatever color they are? It, it shouldn't matter. But right now, the liberal ruling class has essentially pushed this entire agenda so far ahead that we're getting to a point of actually ending up at a precipice where it'll be very, very hard to come back from that. And the same thing's happening in the U.S., but in much larger scale because, of course, everything is bigger in the U.S., so if that's happening in the, in the U.S., think about Canada where we don't have that many people, but the same thing is happening. You, you see and you feel it a lot more because of that. Because there's fewer people, you actually experience it more because you're, you're rubbing shoulders with lesser people. But you know, because of that, the fraction and the reason it's happening here more is, is, is actually even worse. You know, School, we're, we're being taught all these stupid things about trans ideology and you know, I don't know, whatever gender BS that they're trying to program kids into learning about. I'm sorry, we don't need that. We need kids focusing on excelling in school, doing well, contributing to the economy, building businesses, adding value, solving problems, and making life better for everyone. That's it. That is all what my focus right now is, is to help people see that that is what the goal of life is. And it's not about 
nitpicking these small details about people is what they do in the bedroom, what they don't do in the bedroom, what they wear, how they define themselves, what they want to call themselves. No, no one gives a fuck about that. I'm being very serious. It is time for this garbage to stop. Okay? Trans people don't even make up 1% of the population and it's time we gave them that level of ignorance. We need to just let them be, push them to the side, let them li live their lives like normal trans people that they want to live. Let's not, you know, push forth saying, hey, you have to call me this, you, you have to call me this. Just go by name. Hey, hey, dude. Hey, girl. How's that going? You, you know, there's always, like, I feel like people just have a hard time understanding that there's always going to be only two genders. But that's a fact of life. That, that's nature. That's how human beings and living beings were made. There's nothing in between. It's male or female. That's it. Okay? This, this is not about, like, science or don't don't trust the science or whatever, but let's just start acknowledging that that's a problem. You know, we have trans people who exist because they have mental health issues. And if we don't acknowledge that, we have a problem. We're not going to solve the problem. We're just going to say, hey, let's accept them because, you know, oh, because that's how they want to be uh, treated. That's what they want to be called. No, man, like, come on. We can't be teaching kids that you, you, you can be any gender you want and tomorrow if you want you can go and get a gender reassignment surgery and you can take hormonal drugs now like what are we doing all that is contributing to the degeneration of society here in canada and the u.s it is that's a basic fact of life why are we so hell-bent on not acknowledging what the issues are because it's what fucking political correctness i'm sorry that's what has got us to this point okay we have suicides happening at crazy prices drug addiction alcohol addiction porn addiction people like doing such harmful things to their own selves just to cope with life that is so like mentally traumatizing to them come on we have to start addressing what the problem is and we're not going to do that if we we keep looking at political correctness fact is no one gives a shit what you do in the bedroom. No one gives a shit what, what gender you are. Okay? No one gives a shit about what you wear. Just be a good human being. Do not cause harm to other people, especially children. Do not, you know, do all these things to propagate your agenda in the world. Just be a good human being. Add value. Contribute. Work hard. Be a good person. That's more important than anything else. Okay, next. Restore law and order, okay? First thing, I think we need to start banning cannabis. We, we need to, like, essentially, like, ban drugs. We need to make alcohol more expensive. And we need to start, you know, focusing on fixing the crime problem. Yes, there are crimes in Toronto. People get accidents. There's, there's, uh, there's murders. There's rapes. There's all these things. That, and... You know, this you will understand when you watch the news over here. So if you're not watching the news, you're way better off because you don't know what's happening. And that's a good thing. But the harsh reality is, whether we like it or not, when someone commits a crime that commits, I mean, that contributes to the negative energies in the entire city and ultimately the country. And that's just how the law of karma works. When people do something, that contributes to the overall, you know, net positive or or net negative. That said, we need law and order, basically. Okay, that's my point. We need to have serious punishments for any crime, be it trafficking, drugs, um, 
overdoses, murders, anything like that, we need to start clearing up our streets, our cities, our country to the point where people feel genuinely safe to walk out at 8, 9, 10 p.m. to the point where they feel safe letting their kids out at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., going for walks in the park, going and playing with their friends. Okay, that's what life is about. We, we can't just have people, you know, afraid of going out because of the, the criminals out there, because of the homeless and the gangsters and, and the thugs out there and be just locked indoors playing video games because they're afraid of going outside. That is also very, very depressing. So why, like, let's just pause, say, okay, let's create strict laws. Let's bring back order, okay? Let's start penalizing people for all the crimes that they're committing. Whoever is the main criminal or the criminals, lock them up, put them in jail for life, let them be there, let them... Let's get them out of the society and let them learn their lesson in jail. There's nothing wrong in wanting that for the greater good and the well-being of the world. Right? I'm going to go back to COVID now and say, hey, if we are willing to wear a mask for everyone's well-being, then we should be absolutely okay with locking people up for life, for creating a bad environment and unsafe environment in the country and in the city. People move to a city to live, to grow, to excel in their lives, to, 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 to expand their horizons, to debate, to become grown-ups, you know, to, to grow up. And if we lose that because people are afraid of going to the city because of all these criminals and, and gangs and drugs and alcohol and, and abuse, then I think we're going to have a massive problem and we need to start cleaning our act up. That's all I'm saying. Why do I say alcohol should be more expensive? Someone actually asked me, asked me that recently. Is like, why do you want to make alcohol more expensive? Because fact is, when, al- when alcohol is cheap, we're actually incentivizing more people to consume alcohol. Simple, right? We don't need more alcoholics in the world. We need lesser alcohol. We need lesser alcoholics in the world. We need lesser people who are mentally fucked up because of alcohol. And I don't say don't drink. I say drink, but in moderation, you know, on occasions. Once in a while. Now, if you have, you know, a case of beer that's for like 20 cans for $20, that's like a dollar a beer. That's actually cheaper than a lot of water bottles out there. So what, in, what, are we, what example are we, are we telling people? We're saying, hey, water or beer, you choose. That's what we're telling people. You choose between the two. Like, come on, guys. Like, we know that people here are, are depressed and they have mental health issues. So if we're going to make beer as cheap as water and beer gives them a slight mild escape from reality for maybe a few hours, that's what they're going to gravitate towards, right? Drinking when you're partying with friends or socializing, that's fine. But to make it so easy, so easily accessible that you can drink it every single day, right? That's not fair. That's, that's contributing to the the issues that we have in, in, in the country and more so our mental health issues. Like when I went to Singapore, okay, as an example, of course, I, I look at that because I don't know why I feel like there's so much order there that it's just beautiful to see, right? When I went from Toronto to Singapore, I was like, okay, this is actually how we can really build a good community and a good city. And alcohol is essentially, I would say, two times more expensive than Toronto, Right? And I would think twice about anywhere I went. I was like, hmm, 
do I really want to have a beer? Do I really want to have a glass of wine? Like, do do I really want to do all these things? Right? And just having that thought makes you more conscious about what what you're doing and what you're spending energy and money on. Money is ultimately energy, right? So if you spend money on something, you're saying that, yes, I want more of that. But now you're, you're stepping back and saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like a beer for $20? Oof, that's a bit expensive. Hmm, maybe I won't have it today. Maybe I'll just wait until until the weekend when I meet my friends. And instead of drinking it, you know, three times in a week, I'll just, I'll just have it once. Like that's how we can create a more conscious society, a more conscious community, a more conscious city. And ultimately, as I mentioned at the very beginning, the city shapes the country. And if we can create a conscious city within Toronto, truth be told, that's going to spread across the entire band of Canada. I guarantee it to you, the entire perception of Canada will change when the energy coming out of Toronto will change. For the better, obviously. Next. Uh, I have a point to essentially end the large food monopolies, but that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Canada is run by monopolies, like large-scale monopolies who are controlling our food, our clothing, our furniture, our home goods, our, our vehicles. Everything is controlled by these large monopolies. And the only way to end it is to start looking at smaller-scale you know, farms, smaller-scale pr- produce, farm-to-fork, more you know, direct, like going to a farmer and buying things from them. We need more of that because that gives us more choice and ultimately it brings down the cost as well. Now, I'm not saying it's going to bring down the cost lesser than what these mass manufacturers are doing, but for your health and well-being, it is better, it is really better to start going this route because you will end up getting quality products that may not have the chemicals and the pesticides and the sprays that, that these large monopolies use because truth be told, these, the, these large monopolies are exploiting farmers across the world to bring down their costs. And granted, those, those cost reductions are coming to us but so are the chemicals, the pesticides, the sprays, all the harmful, you know, toxic ingredients going into all the, all the food, the, the GMOs, the, all, all that is coming into our bodies. And that is affecting our, us, our health, our mental well-being, how we work, how we produce, and essentially how we are on a daily basis. Okay, point, I don't, I don't even know what number of, point this is but the next one is is to make more human and walking centuries ah. (laughs) build more human and walking centric cities not car dependent suburbs and to add to that build larger apartments and better apartment communities i've lived in the u.s for quite some time in the past and i know what i love about it the way that they've designed the city and the the um, apartment communities in these various places where I've lived, be it in New New Jersey, be it in Texas, be it in California, be it in New York, I've seen how they build these. And I think we need that back, okay? What we're lacking here in Toronto is walkable cities. We're we're lacking walkable neighborhoods. We're lacking large apartments, right? Because truth be told, right now, a new condo is going to be like 350 square square feet at the very basic level and i understand when when people say like why are you um you're 
you're making a point that you want to make Toronto a world-class city, but you're also saying that you want bigger housing. I get that it, it may not work both ways, but from what I'm seeing, we need to start investing and in getting more families back into the city, like a city of Toronto, right? And that's not going to... That's not going to happen if we have tiny apartments because a family needs space, but they also don't need that much space like in a detached property. They may not need that much, you know, driveway space. Maybe an an underground parking does just fine, right? Why are we building individual condo buildings? Why aren't we building, you know, a gated community that has three, four, five, six story condo buildings that are widespread with built-in amenities for everyone, you know, pool, gym, this, that, that everyone can enjoy. Why aren't we doing that? Why are we doing these stupid things like just putting up, putting up a, a building just anywhere in the middle? Like, that's these things don't make any logical sense. And on the on the other hand, we have the issue of car dependency. Once you leave the city of Toronto, you need a car. Okay, there's no way you're getting around anywhere without a car. And if we can't fix that, guys, we are going to have worse mental health issues moving forward. More pollution, more traffic, more, you know, illness, disease, more complacency, more laziness, more like all these things. Instead, let's just focus on on building good, great, walkable and livable cities with large apartments so that people can actually think of now saying, hey, I want to move from the suburb to the city with my kids. I want to move from two hours away from Toronto to Toronto because I'm seeing that they're building these nice apartments where we can actually live and grow a family and a, and a household for many years and generations to come. Why is that so hard? I will, I will acknowledge the fact that we make tiny-ass houses. I will acknowledge the fact that we are building depressing suburbs because I have lived in the and I'm telling you, it is nothing shy of depression, okay? Yes, you have grass, sure. You have a driveway, you have a garage, okay, fine. You have a house, you, you, you may have a slightly bigger bedroom. But the, as a matter of fact, it's pretty, pretty quiet and depressing. That, that's all it is, right? When people travel to places like Europe or India or, 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 or China, they see, oh my God, vibrancy, cities, action, life. Traffic, like, 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 horn, you know, on the streets. It's, that's, that chaos, that, that bustle, that activity is needed for humans to progress. There is very little progress happening in the suburbs. Why? Because people are generally very complacent. They're lazy, okay? I feel like people in the suburbs just generally don't want to do anything. They're just, like, exhausted of everything. They're just depressed. But when you go back to a city whether it's for the office or for, for, for meeting someone, for hanging out, you're just like, yeah, man, this is where the action is. And it's not because I'm young or old or whatever, but I genuinely feel like we need more livable cities where we can have, you know, low-income, middle-income, high-income. We can have singles, we can have couples, we can have families, large families, small families, pets, animals, walking distance to each other, you know, within the same block. Like, why not? That is true diversity. Whereas when you come to a suburb, you don't get that diversity. There's a lot of, um, I would say, segregation happening, right? Because when you think of Toronto GTA and you think of Indians, you, what do you think? Brampton? 
Of course, it's Brampton, right? That's where it is. When you think of it, Italians and, 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 and white people, what do you think? Richmond Hill, Markham, Vaughan, which is true. That's where a lot of them do live. When you think of Arabic people or, or Middle Easterners, where do they go? Oakville, Milton, you know, that's, that's how the city is segregating itself. It isn't anyone forcing it to happen, but that's just how it's, how it's happening. Like, again, these three areas are all part of the Toronto GTA area. And so it's so widespread that now we're seeing these, you know, pockets building up with just the same race and culture of people. And that is not the true diversity. For true diversity, you go to a city where you can actually enjoy life with everyone. You're, you're having a drink, you're, you're having a meal, and the person across you is, you know, who knows, from Uganda, from, from Pakistan, from, from Afghanistan, from China, from Korea, uh, from Colombia, from Argentina, from Brazil, like from you know, Kenya, from T- Tanzania, from South Africa. That is true diversity. And I have lived that life. I, I can tell you when we're living in, in, in a diverse city or country. And while we in Toronto here have more diversity compared to the U.S., it is less compared to what the rest of the world offers. Like having lived in the UAE, I went to class with people who were from 20, 30 different countries in the world, right? Every every color you you can imagine, every religion you can imagine, every, um, uh, you know, community you can imagine they were all there and i was like you know what yeah like i learned a lot i learned to accept people i learned to work with them i learned to you know be on good terms with them that is that is what helps you grow not being in the same freaking mixed crowd the same culture the same people the same uh, like i guess boring after after a while and i think that's what needs, needs, needs to change next um Nationalizing the natural resources. This was a much grander topic that I do need to dig more deeper into. But nationalizing oil, electricity, internet, um, communication. Well, actually, not like social media, but just internet so that everyone has it. And also the same thing goes for, you know, oil and gas and energy so that the cost of those go down. I'm not saying the government is good at managing that. So that's why we do need desperately a change in leadership here. But once that happens, I think we'll be on, on, on a trajectory to becoming a really, really great city. Next, we need to cut taxes. Because when you cut taxes, you give people more money. Either, so this goes back to my previous point. We either cut taxes or we allocate people's taxes to building them good housing and actually giving them the housing. Not just building houses. Because right now what's happening is you pay high taxes, 50% of your income. That goes to the government. The government issues grants for home builders. Home builders take that money, they pocket some, they use the rest to build crappy, crappy quality housing, but they build high quality housing for themselves. And I think we need, to ch- we need to change that. The only way to do that is to nationalize some housing, okay, make it affordable housing for such that people who are, you know, low income or some in the, and some in the middle income can actually afford to go and rent or buy a home. And we may not have all the answers, but we can always look at other countries and see what they're doing and learn from them, right? We need to, 
we do have a high home ownership rate here, here in Canada, which is a good thing. And I think that this would apply more to the U.S. also, right? If people are simply aiming to buy, you know, 100, 200, 500,000 unit apartment complexes, then of course, that's going to be a thousand less homeowners because they're going to be renting it. So in the U.S., how can you take that thousand unit apartment complex and make it such that 50% of them are homeowners, right? Why is that so difficult? Why don't we try that? Why don't we buy it, buy like a, a hundred unit apartment complex and say 50 of them are for sale owners or, or uh, renters. If, if, if you're living here, you pay the same amount of rent, but now you're building equity. And if you ever want to sell the home, you will get that equity back, right? That is how we, we have to start incentivizing people to start investing in real estate, investing in properties, caring for housing. And of course, that will lead to the eventual production of quality housing here in Toronto. All right, last but not least, I'm always going to reiterate this point from earlier on as well. But we need to start focusing on creating religion. We need to bring back values. We need to have people focusing on God, doing good things in the community, adding value, and focusing on the higher power that be. Okay? The focus always has to be on doing what is what God wants in the world. And everyone has their own way of c- contributing. The problem is we, we start seeing what one person is doing as being not valuable enough as what we're doing. And I think that is absolutely not right. So we have to start appreciating that everyone has a different competency and a, and, a, and a different value to add in the community. Some people would make great drivers, like just tr- driving pe- people around. Some people would make great mechanical engineers. Some people would make great home builders. Some people would make great home cleaners. Some people would make great chefs and like people that can make really good food. Some people would make amazing holistic doctors, right? Some people would make excellent bus drivers and, 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 and cab drivers, right? Every single person has value to add in the world. And when I say that we need to start focusing on God, it's because when we are born, we are given a certain value and a certain skill set that we are losing, okay, because we're trying to earn the money. We're trying to do this, like trying to achieve all these um, goals in our life without acknowledging the fact that we have in innate value that we were given by God. And if we don't use those talents, then we have basically lost those talents. And we're not fulfilling our purpose on this planet. You have a mission when you were sent here by God on this world to do something. Okay. Everyone has a certain skill set that they know that they are the freaking best at. So why aren't you tapping into that more? Do that. If that gives you more joy, do it. If that gives you more peace, do it. If that makes you feel like you've accomplished something great, do it. That's what we're missing. Guys, I, I hope this was valuable to you. It's been 50 minutes. Holy shit. Almost an hour. But understand that Western civilization is on the cusp of changing. And I intend to make sure that we are changing it for the better. Okay? We've been through enough hell. I've lived here long enough to know what the problems are. Okay? I've, 
I've lived in the GTA area for the last 15 years. I know what the problems are and I'm telling you how we can fix it. The question is, are you willing to try one of these things to actually make this city a world-class city and one that you can proudly, proudly, when you travel across the world, go to your friend and say, hey man, I'm from Toronto. Yeah, we're changing. We're doing amazing things there. We're building this over there. We're doing this. We're doing this. People are happier in Toronto. It is the world's happiest country, the happiest city. Can we claim that right now? No, we can't because we suck. And I acknowledge that we suck. But if we try, if we communicate, if we share our ideas, if we debate our ideas, I promise you in five years, in 10 years, Toronto will be unrecognizable from what it is today. And, and it would have changed or in orders of magnitude to, to become a better city and, and thus making Canada a better country to live in. That is my intention. That is my vision. That is my mission for us, for you listening to this podcast, to listening to me, not rant, but share my ideas. And, and really, I hope, you know, you do your part to follow what you love doing and contributing it to the betterment of our city, of, of our country, of our community, because I know you have God-given talents. You have a diamond inside you, but if you don't mind that, and if you don't nurture that, then it might as well be lost. And I hope 10 years from now, when we look back, we can address this podcast and say, hey, this podcast changed my, my perspective of the city. This, this, this podcast opened my eyes to what is possible. And this podcast helped me take action one step at a time. One small thing you can do. One small thing you do it that added value to change the, the course of human you know, well-being. And that's what I want to make Toronto. I want to make it the world-class city that people love to live in, people love to travel to, they love to enjoy, love to bring their families to live in with their families, go to school in with their families and, and their kids, make friends, live there for generations to come. That is my goal. That's my vision. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so very much. Wish you guys a very safe, very happy, very warm, I guess, uh, weekend ahead. And take care and have a great, great rest of the weekend. Take care, guys. Love you all. Bye-bye.